Kyle, that scared the cat. Haha, <laughs> cat. Uh, hi, Chad. Hi, Cameron. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. I hope you, I hope everybody said hi back. Like, if you're in your car, I want you to say hi. We, we, we got we got to build this rapport, listeners. If you're in your office and you're listening to this and someone walks by, say hi. But not to them, to us. Thank you. The audience participation is I've already is started critical. drinking. Uh, yeah, I'm disappointed you, you found a new drink to try, and I was going to track it down and try it also, and I couldn't find any. Yeah, that that's uh, that's really frustrating, because they're from your your neck of the woods. They're from San Diego, and uh, you're in you're in the California area, and so I thought they would be like you know this could be like a micro brew you go find. Actually, I wonder where they're brewed. Let me look that up again. What's that brand? Uh, Cutwater. I thought they Cut. were known for their vodka because the first ones of these I had was the White Russians, which I think I had those on the show too, like a year or so ago. And so when I got the um the Mai Tai, I didn't I, I figured it was like made with vodka. And I was really surprised that it tasted like a Mai Tai. And I was like, wow, what did they put in here? And the answer is they put in rum. Apparently they make rum too. And I'm kind of curious if I could find their rum, I would definitely try it. Well, so I'm looking up like if I want to just visit to buy something. And it's like you have to reserve a, a spot. It seems like it's set up for like a tasting room. <laughs> I'm used to these places just kind of like having a taco truck and a big open gate and it's like a refurbished building. Um, I don't are are all your microbrews really like that, like refurbished buildings? Yeah, a lot of them are um so it it's funny because it's cute to to set up your brewery in like an old warehouse cuz it's like charming and uh it's it's one of those things that like hipsters would do. But the reality is, sure. in San Diego, it, it's a military city. And during World War II, there was a lot of production and also uh, training. And as the, like, once the war was over, it's like, well, we don't really need these big aircraft, um, you know, buildings to, to train parachuters anymore. So let's we'll just leave it, I guess. So a lot of buildings are like repurposed um, aircraft and aerospace buildings that were like formerly owned by the military. Huh? But a lot I guess of these, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And a lot of these microbreweries, um, like the, the process, it doesn't matter. They don't need it temperature controlled, or if they do, they just do it in like a certain part of the building. And there's a, a lot of them will like theme it. So you go in there and it's like, uh, I, I, cause I used to work at an aerospace factory and we would go to one of the many aerospace themed bars after work. And like the, apparently one of them was owned by someone that used to work at the company. And when he retired, he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to fund my nephew's uh, bar entrepreneurship. And it's just like, it, there's, there's this uh funny, like, <laughs> like, you know, rival companies will like, we'll, we'll see each other at the bar and go, Hey, we're sitting under the big propeller. Yay. That's Mondays. Funny. I like the idea of like you work in an aerospace factory, then you go drink in a different one, and you're just like, I never leave. I'm, I'm just stuck in the aerospace factories. Yeah, that's what San Diego is. Okay, huh. so I'm looking I've at the website. There, so. They have a vodka mule. Like, that's what they call it. Oh, the cut water guys? Um, yeah. And I know I saw that at the Walmarts. So I, I know that Cutwater does, you know, distribute here. <laughs> so it's just, I think this uh, Mai Tai, either it's new and it's rolling out. Or it's just so popular. I, I'm hoping I can... F I would love to be able to find um, their vodka and their rum around here just like without the mixture. I I don't think I've seen it. So I, I gotta, I'll gotta. i have to keep an eye out though. Sometimes rum is good. I don't drink it too often. But when I do, it's like, oh yeah, I should drink more rum. Yeah, I like a good rum. I will say the micro brews around here, I, I think are, are kind of the same. Um, the big one in was in Lacrosse is uh, what the hell is it called? Pearl Street Brewery, which is on Pearl Street. Oh, it used to be on Pearl Street. It got too big. They moved it, and it's in the a building that used to be. Uh, they processed rubber, and I think they made shoes. And then that factory closed down quite a while ago, and the building got divided up and partitioned out into different uh, businesses. And I used to work actually in that building for like almost a year. Uh, 
processing invoices for a totally different company. This is a, a Wisconsin um, government kind of thing. And so it is kind of funny where I was like, oh, all these aerospace things, that's weird. And I'm like, oh, well, around here too, it's like if there's an open space that will fit, breweries and bars will form. It doesn't really matter like what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of the nature of it. I know some of the, um, like the Driftless Glen uh, distillery in, in uh, Baraboo, that's a really nice like five-star looking place. I don't know what that was before they moved in, but they definitely like overhauled it to the point where you could never tell it was something other than like a really ritzy like restaurant and bourbon factory. That's actually a bit of a drive, but if you ever come here, I, we should go there because the food's really good and also their bourbon's really good and it might be fun to do a tour. That would be fun. We we gotta we gotta not only schedule time, but we have to like write down these things we think of. Um, if we don't, I could literally picture like staying in your basement for a month and just kind of talking about Legos a lot, and then it'll be time to go, and we'll both go like, wasn't there something we we're gonna do? Yeah, we'll have to make it a mix of like structured and unstructured. Certainly not too much structure that can ruin anything. Up, up, up. Sorry, I'm. <laughs> but people keep pinging me. I hate. Uh, like I'll I'll log on to my computer, and that seems to automatically tell Discord that I'm online. And there's a lot of uh shut-in furries that keep messaging me because they're lonely. I oh my gosh, is there a word for these kind of people where they'll message you just the word hi? And it doesn't matter if you ignore them or respond, they'll never say anything else, but they'll say hi, like, every single day. Um, I want to say lonely, but I don't know. Because this is a very specific thing I see with furries. And there's, I feel like, like there's an insecurity to, to some of this, and, I, and I'm, I'm guilty of some of this, too, where I feel like if I haven't talked to someone long enough, I'm like, oh, maybe they forgot about me, or, you know, it's so easy to drift apart from people, especially online relationships, that... It's like, oh, I guess I'll make the effort to make sure we that doesn't happen. And so you're saying hi to people just to kind of say hi, and then they say hi back, or they don't say anything, and it's just like, well, I did my part. If if this falls through, it's not my fault. So I could be that. It could be um, it could be like they have a really weird ritual in the morning where they say hi to a bunch of people, and then it makes them feel good, and now they can start the day. Who knows, right? Like, and th- this not just a furry thing. People are weird, like. The, the things we do to cope and to deal with our bullshit. Yeah. Who knows? Um, if, you, if, if it's easy to ignore them and you don't feel bad about it, I guess, you know, more power to you. I just do that. It's just one of those things where, like, I don't want to call them out on it and I don't want to tell them off for being annoying. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I've never had my name in a suicide note before. So maybe if I started a collection, I could see the fun in it. Wow, that was pretty dark. I well, I just that's the thing. It's like it, they're socially awkward, and then there's this next level where I can't tell if they're doing this on purpose. And there's a pattern. Sure. Of it. There's like a if there's a gradient of social awkward, there's a part where the gradient stops, and there's this like blank period, and it skips over this whole period, and then there's this one type of person, and there's several of these because it's a thing. Like I've seen furry comics about it, where it's like. Someone will walk up to a character face to face and say hi and just stand there until everyone's awkward and leaves the room and they just stay standing there because that's what it feels like. And I'm not alone in noticing this. <laughs> it's weird because it's not like I've had zero involvement with the furry fandom. Um, I've never, I, to my knowledge, I've never encountered that. But the I don't go to like any mainstream furry stuff um, and haven't in in very, very long time. But I also don't try to meet people in VR chat or Second Life. And uh, I have to wonder, you know, the, the, the kinds of people that congregate on, on those places are used to some shit. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, I think this is, of course, a, a side effect and a repercussion of my hobbies. So I do admit that. <laughs> I guess you're just easy to talk to, Cameron. Well, I guess, but if I respond, they don't say anything, so I I don't know. And my point was I'm distracted because Discord keeps lighting up, but I have that stopped now. Oh my goodness. So okay, the, so Discord chat. 
that's not like a super good form of writing. But what if um, what if you talk about good writing? What have you been reading, Chad? Oh man, good writing. I haven't really been reading that. Uh, I finished uh, the last threshold by Ari Salvador, which marks the end of my reread of the Drizzt Duerden books. Uh, technically, there are ten more, but I I am not going to continue having gone through them again. This is the end of your pilgrimage. Yes, and it's and it's taken me about two years because I'd read a couple, stop, read a couple, stop, and you know just break them up because I kind of needed the break between them. I, I, I if I had stuck with this kind of story for like eight months straight, that would have been that would have been bad for me. I, 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 I've definitely moved on from what was really fun at fourteen. Like I, I don't, I don't find those things so fun anymore. And it's been really strange to reread these because it, a lot of it has been like looking at myself and be like, motherfucker. You've grown up. It has been almost 20 years. Um and apparently shit has changed. And so I'm looking at these books and I'm I'm hypercritical of of like large swaths of them uh as just a, as a pieces of fiction, as pieces of writing. But I'm mostly kind of like looking at myself more than anything and it's kind of funny like what I'm noticing as far as maybe themes. I have no idea if they're intentional or not some of the things in these books uh the characters, you know, they're supposed to be these heroes, and I'm I'm seeing a lot of flaws that the books don't really acknowledge, but they are definitely not heroic characters. I think in a lot of ways, they're actually all kind of shitty people. They think they're doing really good stuff, but like the 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 best thing Drizzt ever does is put down his sword at one point and like have the dwarves and the orcs form a a a, a treaty, and they're not going to fight each other anymore, and they and it lasts for over a hundred years. So like they 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 create peace between these two warring factions they realize orcs are not monsters they're people they're just oh they're just different but they're still they're people and every once in a while Drizzt and the, the, his dwarf friend Bruner will be like man do you think that was a mistake like there hasn't been a war in a hundred years but I really want to fucking kill an orc and it's like what the shit I thought you guys were the good guys why are you like upset that there hasn't been a war in over a hundred years that's a good thing. It's literally the best thing you guys have ever done in these stupid fucking novels. And it's not it's not treated like that. It's so weird. Like my impression of these characters and the author's impression of these characters and I think a lot of readers because these books have been around forever and they're still like if you look at the newest one it has like 1500 reviews on Amazon and they're all like five stars. And I can't imagine uh all of them are 15-year-olds picking novels up for the first time and this is their first foray into fantasy like a lot of people have started this series and have really stuck with it, which is strange to me. But also, I've never met someone like in the wild that likes these books. They do really well. Almost every one of them gets on the New York Times bestseller list. And I'm like, I've never met someone who's like, oh, I really love those uh, Forgotten Realms books. So I don't even know who's fucking buying them. It's so weird. You know, it, it is funny because um, Drist is one of those characters that will come up like it, it, D&D doesn't have a lot of like named canonical characters. Uh, besides, like, uh, specific kinds of monsters or, like, deities or something. So whenever uh, D&D wants to, like, market something, like, they'll do a crossover event with some mobile game, and you can get Drizzt from D&D. And, you know, McFarlane Toys does a D&D line, and they do Drizzt. And it's, like, it's a name that people recognize enough that it seems to work for them. But at the same time, like you said, I've never seen someone just say, oh, yeah, I like the books. But that's what he's from. So, <laughs> like, somehow it's they weird. know that, but they don't, like. There are well over 30 of these now. So, I mean, that, this is a long-running series that has been going on since maybe the the early 90s. And uh, it's crazy how they can be popular enough to just go on for, like, ever have a, a, a really specific niche cultural impact, but then still have like almost no cultural impact. They they reside in a really weird spot of like hobby. And I remember once like going on YouTube and, and like typing in Drizzt Duard and like, hey, can I find, you know, a, a video essay on this on this series, on this character? And nothing showed up. And it's like, how how has there not been a long form like Lindsay Ellis style breakdown of this of this book series? Like they they seem like they're popular enough. But then, I don't know, maybe people that would want to do that aren't reading these books because they, they look at them and go, oh, I'm, I'm not 14. I don't want to read uh, D&D style fantasy anymore. I don't get anything out of that. Just it's not what I want out of the medium. 
And that's totally fair because that's where I'm at. But at the same time, I'm still like hardcore nostalgic for this these characters in this series. And so when I get to the end of the last threshold and, and Drizzt basically gets killed, it, it, it hits. Like I'm like, man, I spent the last like five books kind of thinking you're a shitty person, but I am sad that you're dead. Now, granted, he's technically not dead, but I kind of like him better dead. I feel like he doesn't deserve a happy ending. And he get, he gets the one he deserves, which is dead. <laughs> it's so, I don't know, I'm so conflicted. I don't know anything about the character besides things you've mentioned to me. I know. I mean, the whole thing is he he is like one of the good guy Dark Elves, right? Like he started underground in the in the Dark Elf City. That is like six syllables long. It starts with an M and I don't feel like pronouncing it because I don't think I can. And the the culture of that city is stupid. There's really interesting stuff there. There's cool fantasy devices going on. But ultimately, he he's an outcast. He doesn't fit in. He leaves and he takes some cool magical stuff with him. He spends a lot of the first three books uh, in the Underdark and you get to explore that as a place. And like as a fantasy scape, it's really cool. There's some neat shit in these weird caves uh, throughout this world and there's a lot of dumb stuff that happens but there's some neat stuff too like he finds a wizard tower there's a gnome in this wizard tower and he the reason the gnome took his tower and like teleported it under the ground is because he was doing weird experiments and the wizards up above were like you can't do those those are fucked up that's bad and he's like well, i'm gonna go to a place where there's no cops this is awesome and, and you know he's a he's a shitty bad person and i i think drizzt kills him in those books or he kills him in a later book i don't remember eventually the gnome doesn't live anymore that kind of stuff is like really neat fantasy where, where even if you go underground and there should be nothing that far down, all of a sudden you're at a city or you're finding a rogue wizard doing weird stuff, planting mushrooms and getting stoned. Like it, it feels like every place of this world has something interesting in it. And that's awesome. I think that that is like one of the benefits of Dungeons and Dragons and, and Salvador does a really good job of of that. Anyways, so Drizzt gets on the above ground. He ends up meeting a... Uh, a druid kind of character, uh, ranger, uh, and and who you know really likes the forest and whatnot, and they and they get to meet you know become friends and um, starts learning things about the above ground. Eventually moves on to Icewind Dale, which is where the next couple books take place, and that's fun too because I, you don't see a lot of like ice stuff in D anD D, at least the stuff I've read or the fantasy stuff I've read. No one wants to be in like the frozen tundra where everybody's cold and it fucking sucks. And so the fact that there's three books that take place there is kind of cool. And that's where he starts to meet all these other characters and they become, you know, the party in this D&D group, basically. And most of the books are very like, hey, we're the good guys. We really like to fight stuff, but we only fight the bad guys. And so it's fine. Giants are bad. Trolls are bad. Orcs are bad. And it's really... um. It's so safe, a lot of it. Like, the Dark Elves show up a handful of times because they're mad that Drizzt left and they want to kill him and bring him back or whatever. Um, there's, you know, a, an assassin character that keeps reoccurring that's kind of cool. But for the most part, they're going on adventures to find a thing or solve a problem or fight a dragon. And it's just very basic fantasy stuff, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of bodies to kill. You know, the, the bad guys always have an army. So there's these big set-piece battles. And I don't remember where I was, and but eventually I realized that there's not actually a lot of character to any of these characters. Like, you're like eight books in, or nine books in, and it's like, they don't really talk about anything meaningful. They just reminisce about their fun fights, and then they go have more. And it's kind of neat, like, there's a, there's a, a, like a roller coaster element to it, but it's so unfulfilling as far as, like, storytelling goes. Like, there's no point to any of it. But I think it's supposed to just be like a D&D game because when you play D&D with your friends, you're not really, I don't know if like themes ever form with good campaigns. I know most of them get pretty shitposty because that's fun. I, think I don't know if you want to talk now. I've talked for a while. I, well, no, I'm, I'm just, I wish I had more to say specifically about Drizzt. Um... Even D and D, like narratively, I've always appreciated D and D as a, a palette or a template to work with. Yeah, a you know a blank uh, canvas. So when I see books or uh, movies or something, it's always like I don't know if I care. 
And I think that's why I never, you know, bothered with the books is, you know, it's like I would rather read a lore book that's just random details and then stitch that together for a campaign. I guess I got two things for that. One is like the the concept or like the lore of D&D and like the characters they've made and the monsters that are like owned by Wizard of the Coast. It, it It's hard to tell who owns what because I'd say, oh, I would like to do a D&D style like fantasy book. That would be fun. I don't know what I can and can't include up into a point. Like Mind Flayers. I really like those. They're, they're really cool. I'm pretty sure if I put one of those in, uh, copyright Laura would be knocking at my door. I think those are owned by Wizard of the Coast. Uh, things like Trolls and Orcs and whatnot. Uh, been around a very long time. Uh, I believe Tolkien invented some of that stuff. Not, not maybe the Trolls, but the Orcs. And it's funny because he had Hobbits and then D&D has Halflings. And they're basically the same thing. I don't know why they made up their own word for that. But then they kept the elves as the same. They kept the orcs as the same. They kept the trolls as the same. Like, all this shit. Like, I don't get that. But maybe there's legal reasons for it. So if I wanted little people in my in my stories that, that get into mischief, I could do that. I just have to rename them something that I came up with. You, but then, you gotta make sure you're, like, you pick... Pick something that sounds like it could be a slur so that it eventually becomes a slur. There you go. I know you've read some of the Warhammer books, and, and to me, I look at those the same way I look at these. Where there's war, there's lore in Warhammer, like there's lore in D&D, but ultimately, the concept itself is the canvas and the template for your your game that you play. Which is why I've never been interested at all in reading any of the Warhammer books. It's like, well, I've been rereading these... And to me, the Warhammer books are are the equivalent. I don't know if they're any better or not, but they're not they're not something I, I guess I'm interested in because of, of of what they are. Like I would rather go read something inspired by Warhammer by an author that is not writing specifically for um, Games Workshop. I want to ask real quick: Are you going to see the D and D movie? Yeah, I think so. When it hits Redbox, it looks fun. I think it does look fun. And I think that's not that the books don't seem like fun fantasy books, but I always kind of get this vibe that they're trying too hard. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think they it's it's like they don't really know what the age range is because (laughs) from a, a, a character driven story level and a prose level, they're definitely kind of young adult ish. Like there's not as much going on. The writing is really utilitarian. You're not going to find a lot of big words that you don't know unless it's for a fantasy thing or it's the name of a dragon. Um, generally, there's not a lot of like lewd stuff. A couple of the books will randomly have it and, and it kind of feels out of place. The last four definitely have more. And I'm wondering if because Game of Thrones really started to get popular around then and there's a lot of a lot of tits and ass in Game of Thrones. But for, for the most part, there's like fantasy violence. And then the characters cheer and party when the, the fighting's done. And it, it feels very, uh, if you are 15 or 14, like this is what you want out of fantasy. And then every once in a while, something will get a little complicated or a little like, ooh, that's kind of grim. I wonder who this is for. Like the lane they operate in is strange. And then obviously they're not in like the kids section of a bookstore. They're in the fantasy section of a bookstore. I'm curious about, like, what would um, what would be a D and D book that you'd be willing to read that wasn't part of the series? Like, is there anything besides following these like known characters that you've been following? Like, is there any other part of the world where it's like, well, I'd like to explore the thing with the stuff in it? Um, I'm not sure. The world itself is such a big canvas that. I'm kind of like, if there's a really cool hook, I would be down. But I want more than just a fun fantasy adventure, put the book down. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I get a lot less out of that. And when I do want that, I'll reread a Redwall book. Wow, there's a lot of R's there. That was hard to say. Or I could reread, you know, Lord of the Rings or something. Like, I have fantasy books that would fill that void already. Yeah. I think. <laughs> D&D itself is almost like derivative of general fantasy in a way kind of so i, I think like that's the mind the player problem. stuff 
uh, the illithids are really cool because they they hit kind of that cosmic horror thing where they're not from like this dimension and they're they feed on brains. They they're you know morality is really weird. They can read minds, so they're very powerful. That kind of stuff is neat. I think you could do neat stuff with that in fantasy. Now and then these books almost or kinda, but it it never goes like far enough to really I think make good use of the um the gimmick. I think some of the stuff were like. Uh, there's a there's a there's a town that was built near uh, a, a swamp that's filled with trolls like the troll moors is, is literally what it's called. And this town, for whatever reason, there's people there. They've always been there. They're kind of like a barbarian tribe and they've always been at war with the trolls and their whole culture is kind of like, hey, we have this natural disaster in the swamp. That is these giant monsters with clubs and, and they bite us and they're they're disease ridden and it's horrible and they want to kill us because they eat they eat people. And I think a, a story set there from their perspective where no one is like level 100 strolling through, you could, I think you could do something really neat with that just because it's such an, a very, it's a very fantastical, but very like rife with conflict um, premise. But to me, like the, the, the cool story would be like, okay, how do we pack up and move? Like to me, that's probably the smarter option than just building bigger towers and bigger walls. How do we figure out what do the trolls want? I mean, do they need to eat humans? Can we like broker some kind of political peace? Uh, who's controlling the trolls? Is there something, you know, further up the chain? Is there a twist at the end of this that isn't just uh, one force meets another force and they battle? Like, you'd have to take the concept and, and do something a bit extra with it. But I think you could do that. I think we've talked about this before, but I want a book that's like the perspective of a dragon. I've read like short stories um, in the Dragonlance books that are from that perspective. Some of the Dragonlance books I still own, like the whole book isn't from their perspective, but they'll show up and like be characters in the chat. There'll be a chapter or two that follows the dragons. And that stuff's pretty fun. I think it's another one of those things though, where dragons are so different from people or or it conceptually are they live a really long time they're very big they got the magic they like the jewels that you have to i don't know how you approach a character that is so alien that you make them kind of like someone you can sympathize with sympathize with and relate to yet so strange and like hard to understand like that balance right it's like writing a weird alien versus some of the star trek stuff where it's just a dude in a costume but he's a different color and he's got horns but he's largely just a human I know in um, one of the Dragonlance books, a character turns into a dragon, like bad magic happens. And that's kind of fun because he's got to get used to one being really big. Uh, He he, he smells different and he doesn't like how he smells, but like dragons are not pleasant creatures to be around. Um, He starts like really craving to like collect treasure. He doesn't know why, but he wants to do it. Like he's like, man, there's all this gold over there. I need to fucking get this gold. And and that was really neat. This, this idea of like, because you're getting that, like you get the human perspective because he used to be a human, but all of a sudden he's got these urges and these things that, that he wants to do. He doesn't understand and he never really ever understands. Like it's just like this intrinsic thing that dragons are kind of like crows. They want to collect shiny stuff. I don't know how you turn that into a full book, but I don't see why you couldn't. I feel like there are books about being crows. Probably. If there's books about being mice, I feel like there should be books about crows by now, right? Oh, and cats. Weren't you just talking about some stupid cat book? Um. No, that was a YouTube video. No, you guys talked about it. You, the warrior cats. Yeah. I won't. I, won't I don't know. If warrior cats crows. is quite like. What is it like to be a cat? That's more of a kids fantasy books the vessel is all the characters are anthropomorphic cats to a degree like they're anthropomorphized they're not walking on two legs but they are they're not like cat cats like the cats they're, don't they're act not like visually how they anthropomorphized yeah they just kind of they'll walk up to you and say hi and then not say anything <laughs> it's a callback it was it was good it's okay i think too with some of this like the more you learn about a thing or the more you're in something's head, the less mysterious it is. Like I'm looking at my bookshelf and I got all these alien toys and like the more you learn about the xenomorph, like the less interesting it becomes. Right. And so if you had a book that took place in the head of a xenomorph, 
that might be neat. But at the end of the day, like the writers got to make decisions on how smart they are, what animals they're kind of like, you know, native to earth. So you have a, a basis to relate to it. Um, social hierarchy, things like that. And once you have those answers, you're like, oh, well, they're, you know, now they're just bugs kind of thing, you know, with, with James Cameron's movie. Now they're just this. You know, that's the and thing. So, um, the, the aliens in Alien are very alien, and that's what makes them creepy. It's each stage, like when they find the egg, and the egg looks weird and creepy, and then it like it opens and it looks creepy, and then a monster jumps out, and that's scary, and you're not sure what's going to happen next. And then like the guy's chest explodes, and a baby monster comes out, and that's scary. And then like later. Um, like they heard it and it bleeds acid and it's like surprising. It's like what? It's like every time something happens, it's like a new part of it. Like each new discovery makes it more scary. And so it's weird how there's a point where when you learned it completely, all the scariness is over. Right. And it's like why take that away? <laughs> I think one of the reasons that like H.P. Lovecraft, his stories end up working fairly well despite a lot of like at least stylistic quibbles i have with them is he never goes that far into describing what is going on because the whole point of this cosmic horror shit is like it's indescribable and you can't understand what it is or why it does the things it does it's just so much bigger and so like on a different plane of existence that there's literally no way to relate to it we're basically like a rock to this thing and then, and then it ends there. He doesn't try to like use a metaphor or a simile or, 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 or some way to bridge the gap. He's just like, no, there is no gap to bridge. We're done here. Uh, that's why it's scary. And I think ultimately like there's something somewhat unsatisfying about that because you're always craving answers. But it is kind of like the smart, lean way to do it. You're, 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 not, you're not bullshitting. You're not wasting page space. And you're not like over explaining. And so stuff like, oh, a story from the concept of a dragon or, or a xenomorph or something like it really like it'd be like having a story from the uh, perspective of Cthulhu. Like that would kind of suck on paper. That sounds like, oh, that could be fun. And then you start like thinking about it a little more like, oh, no, that would be miserable. I don't want to fucking know anything about Cthulhu. That would ruin Cthulhu. They always ask about the realm of madness, but they never ask about the realm of sadness. Exactly. He he wakes up after his million year sleep, and then he's like, oh no, I thought I canceled Netflix. He wakes up after his million year sleep, and he's got morning wood, and he's like, oh no, I have a giant tentacle penis. I hope Bad Dragon doesn't make a dildo out of this. Ugh. I, yeah, I. Back to your point. I think that's one of the reasons why those books have withheld uh, the test of time, despite the both subtle and less subtle controversies. They function. Yeah, and the the idea of functioning too, like like dragons as a biological species, like they're so weird, they're so big, they're so long lived. Like clearly, magic is involved in their upbringing like it kind of has to be because things like that couldn't exist and another one of those things like the more questions you start to ask the more you like create a thing the more questions you are bringing up and all of a sudden now i'm thinking hey how do these things mate um how many are there like how is a species surviving when there are so few of them how do they find each other How, how do they do this how do they fly when they're this big and this heavy I have that same issue with, like, the Dark Elves or Trolls or Orcs. Like, like evolutionarily, like, none of this shit makes any sense. How do their societies work? Uh, because what we see seems like it shouldn't work. Like, they, they would not function this way. And either you find an answer there where, like, oh, it's this, and now you're adding more and creating more questions, or they're just, like... I mean, with Trolls being kind of a, a natural disaster, like, I get that. That kind of works. It's sort of... Kind of like with zombies, too. Zombies is a natural disaster. It's not anything more than that. But, like, the Dark Elves have castles and and a caste system and uh, houses that go to war with each other and and politics. And that right there creates so many questions when the hierarchy in the world itself that they live in makes no fucking sense. 
And so every chapter I'm reading more about these fucking dark elves, I'm just like, why are they doing any of this shit? It's stupid. I think dark elves are always stupid, aren't they? Pretty much. I, I feel like there's no stories where dark elves aren't just derivatives of elves. They're elves, but evil. I'm it's trying like, to think with World Warcraft. <laughs> I wonder, like, there's what, a- what if there was elves and then they invented light elves? And they, they just kind of said, like, oh, you know, the light elves are kind of, they're good by comparison to these regular elves. And I wonder if anyone would notice. I don't know. That would be weird. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think with World of Warcraft, because there's the Night Elves and there's the Blood Elves and Alliance and Horde. The, the lore behind them, like what separates those two? Uh, do you want me to get into it? Uh, broad Strokes. Broad Strokes. Okay. So you know the trolls? Yes. Okay. So trolls are the dominant species on the planet. Some of them found a blessed area that was blessed by nature magic. And the trolls that lived there evolved into night elves who are beautiful and not troll-like. I hate that. They are beautiful because they represent the god of nature that watches over the planet that blessed that area. Um, Yada, yada, yada. Some elves explored the world. And they found um, math magic that's not nature magic. And they used that to sustain themselves. And instead of blue, they turned skin color. So there's the night elves, who are the nature elves. They are blue-skinned, descendant of trolls. They can be feral. They have sharp teeth. They have long green hair. They're druids. Um, They summon moonbeams to attack people. And they're expert, like, assassins, and they hide in trees and stuff, and they're reclusive. And so then there's the magic elves, and they like magic and shiny things, and they develop, like, a a culture that's, like, cliche in more ways than one, and they're more conceited with themselves, even though the other elves are also conceited. So really, it's, it's the liberal arts majors versus the STEM majors. Yes. I like I don't like that at all. Like none of that was was uh good to me. I I kind yeah. of vaguely appreciate the idea of hey, instead of having like multiple sapient races evolving at once, uh there's less of them, but magic fucked one up and now we have more. And we're we're getting around some of the biology. But if you're starting to question the biology of your fantasy world, you probably already fucked up. So yeah, and then it so it splinters from there where the night elves uh, like they accidentally summoned a, a Satan, all of Satan's armies and demons. Yep, I remember that. I and, read those books. Yeah, so you know the ones where like there's there's Queen Ajara and those like closest in like the biggest city. Um, they built a magic barrier that protected themselves from the rest of the world. Um, Queen Ajara and her elves fell to the bottom of the ocean. But there were some elves that stayed in the protective bubble. So the elves at the bottom of the ocean turned into Naga. So those are elves. And then there's still the tree elves. And then there's the bubble elves that are more pure to what night elves used to be. They're still blue. But they're like super reliant on magic. Like they, they wither and die like mummies without it. Meanwhile, the the high elves, when there's their source of power got blown up by Arthas... Uh, some of them turned to fell energy, and that's why they got green eyes. But some of them yep. didn't. So there's still high elves, and there's also blood elves. But there's some high elves that said, maybe we should try void energy, and now they're the shadow elves. It's all stupid. Huh. Yeah, it is. I, I-, I was thinking of uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' books, the um, John Carter of Mars. The second one of those, he opens up the beastery. Uh, well, not beastery is the wrong word, but like, you find out there are more factions on Mars than the um the ones in the first book with like the forearms or whatever. I can't remember what they look like. And there's uh two more factions and then a third that's actually from like one of the moons of Mars. And they all look different and they all don't like each other and they go to war and it's a lot of fun. And I've never questioned that because that's fine. 
And then you talk about like, here's how there's six different races of elves. It vaguely makes sense. I mean, it doesn't, but they try to make it make sense. And I don't like any of it other than the Naga. I think there's, well, there's narrative precedent for like a group of people fell into a bad thing and they all turned into monsters. Um, I'm pretty sure like Greek mythology is like full of that shit, right? I'm fine with that. All that other stuff just feels like a really weird way to like create more and more elf factions for no reason. You don't need that many elf factions. You don't. <laughs> I guess if you want to reuse models, but they I think they I don't think they do that. Oh no, they do. So the oh, well, Void Elves are on the Alliance, but they're the Blood Elves just reskinned blue, and then the the Nightborn are just night elves, but they're they're skinned no, they're still blue, they just have white hair. I <laughs> I sent you a picture of them. They're very uninspired. Yeah. There is a great story. I want to, f- if I can find the voice lines from the quest, I want to show you this one quest, like after the show. But it was really cool. It was like done well, and it made me like appreciate the narrative behind the character. But then when they announced it was a playable race, it's like, no, they didn't earn that yet. What's really interesting, because I'm looking at uh, this, this screenshots, and I don't know if one of these things in here is an undead or not, but it makes me think of the undead. And that is a race in World of Warcraft. Like, you can be a, a sapient zombie, and there is a, you know, a whole, whole fucking city full of them, and they have a culture, and they had to, like, figure out how to survive and become a people, even though they're zombies. Like, ostensibly, they don't need to eat, they don't need to sleep. That kind of shit's really cool to me. Taking taking that natural disaster and making it into something more. It kind of the trolls are kind of the same though. The the trolls in World of Warcraft are not like the D and D trolls or uh, most trolls in folklore. So that that you know that's more of a, an aesthetic thing, but then a different kind of culture. I, I kind of appreciate that too, though. I like the the trolls in World of Warcraft are fun. I like I like them. Taking, the trolls are much more interesting. So, yeah. Because, like, in, in D&D, like, if you chop them apart, they grow into more. Like, you have to light them on fire to kill them. Uh, sometimes they have multiple heads. Sometimes they can do magic. They're typically not very smart, but they're smart enough to, like, organize into big groups to attack villages. And they they hit this weird spot where they're, they're zombies, but a little above that. And, it, and to me, there's a lot you can... There's got to be a lot you can do with them... Other than just making them bad guys that need to be fought off every day. Because, uh, like, the orcs, the smart orcs will like, hey, let's enlist the trolls to help us, right? We can bribe them with stuff. Or the dark elves will be like, hey, let's get the trolls to attack them. We'll, uh, we'll lie to them and make them do a thing. And it's so weird to, like, have a, an entire race of talking, thinking creatures, but make them really stupid and really violent. Like, why have them be talking, thinking things if 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 they're not going to, like, make use of that? You know, learn from their mistakes and shit like that. Like, it, it, it's so weird. I think, going back to what you said about how, like, the Naga bothered you less than some of these other derivatives. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if there's a narrative purpose and it's satisfying and something comes of it, like... I think as long as you tell a story, it makes the path feel worthwhile as the story warrants it. But when you can feel that it's like arbitrary or for marketing reasons, um, like my my biggest fear, there's a debate going on with Warhammer right now about whether or not there should be female space marines. And I was talking with some people about it, and we all kind of agreed that if you have an opinion either way, then you're probably not actually that big of a fan. Like, it's such a non-issue that it's weird to have a solid yes or no answer to that question. Because it's like, who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. And my biggest fear is that because this debate keeps coming up online, if Games Workshop says, hey, we're going to have female Space Marines, I think they should just sell a box of, like, female heads and say you can use these heads my fear is that they'll have like a series of books explaining how they're the best space Marines and here's their origin story and how great they are. And aren't you great as a woman reading this? Isn't this great for you where it's like pandering? The thing with Warhammer is like identity politics doesn't exist in that universe because 
It shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't because everybody is either dying or getting ready to die. Like some people the, the don't have identities of anymore. Needs. Yeah. Like when when you're a sentient uh, patchwork stitched into the back of a giant rat monster, um, you don't care about anything. So even though we as players might care about things, sometimes I, I worry narratively when they like introduce t topics or touch on things where it's like they're trying too hard to like navigate things and they just have a space alien shoot a robot i don't care i think with the warhammer 2 like if i were gonna write a warhammer book i i would not do it from the perspective of a space marine because i think ultimately the the more interesting conflict is how to how do the handful of normal people that help the universe kind of you know revolve like the people growing food or doing paperwork how do they survive in this world where almost everything can and wants to kill them uh, i think there's more interesting conflict and story there when it comes to fantasy stuff i think the tone of warhammer is very different than the tone of DD. and now i'm thinking of like the naga right and it's like okay when the when the naga aren't being evil bad guys you have to fight like what the fuck are they doing and I get that they're corrupted by magic, but ultimately they still have to eat. They have like homes under the water probably. So someone has to be designing and building the homes. Like the more culture you give them, the more stuff they have. Eventually like infrastructure needs to form and people start going, hey, the, the less war we fight, the easier it is to live. Uh, instead of killing humans every day to eat them, if we started farming animals, we could eat those instead. That's easier. Like, it's harder to get set up, but once it's set up, it's way easier. So if I'm going to write a story about a troll, I want him to be like, hey, what if we farmed? And that's my troll. My troll is a fucking farmer. <laughs> and he's from Wisconsin. America. I I love the idea of you maybe, like, writing that out in, like, trollish. Like, like whiz is, like, W-H-I-S. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it, like, make it a fantasy thing, but then as soon as someone says it out loud, like, oh, wait, just Wisconsin, America. <laughs> that would be really funny. Someone didn't realize that until book five, and then they're like, oh, fuck. I can't tell if, like, this is, like, deconstructing fantasy or just, like, being so bored with, like, the rote state <laughs> of fantasy that I want to do something. But that's the thing is I don't read a lot of fantasy. Like, in my writer's group, the fantasy authors I get named are not ones I go near. Like um, Brandon Sanderson with his Stormlight Archives or whatever, or the Wheel of Time guy. I've never read any of those books. I don't really have an interest in it. So I don't you know, know what I want from this genre anymore. You know what we should do? Um, I remember that one time that I kind of showed you like a tour of WoW right now? Yeah. I should show you some of this elf stuff. Because I forgot how interesting the, uh, the Nightborn were in Legion. Because they had a whole zone, but it was like they had a lot of interesting stories and there were compelling characters and it was just very interesting. Um, I but it was world that. building and like the the zone for the the Nightborn, it was the, it's like the biggest city in the whole game. Like it's just huge and there's things in it like it's not just set dressing for a dungeon. It's like there's districts and there's categories and there's tiers and. Um, one of the things they do, like, because they're so addicted to magic, that there's uh, an art to um to growing these like magic grapes and making arcane wine out of them. But they take so many years to ferment properly so that the wine is good, and so they they invented this or they they purpose this time magic. So there's these like time dilation zones, and they kind of like they'll harvest the grapes. But then, like, give it to these workers. And so there's, like, the low class and the slaves are, like, sealed off in these time chambers where they're experiencing, like, hundreds of years just so that they the rich can get their wine faster. I love that. That's awesome. Like, as a fantasy concept, it's like, oh, man, this is, you know, this is things to think about. It's stuff like that where it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> I love that using time in interesting ways like that is great. Uh, it reminds me of Arcane, where that one, um, that smart little guy—I don't remember his name—but like, the 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 two humans find a, a sciency thing with magic, 
And he's like, well, we should think, you know, be really slow with this and think about it. You know, we'll see where we are in like a hundred years. And it's like, well, they're going to be dead. You won't be because you live a thousand. And so your, your, your view of time and your view of culture and how long things should take is totally different because of that. Technically, all the elves in D&D are the same. It's usually not handled super well. Uh, it's brought up. But it's, it's one of those things where it's told and not shown as far as how elves operate, which is really frustrating. One of the things that happens in that last Drizzt book is they they get stuck. first. They get frozen in stone by a Medusa for like a year. Then they get unfrozen and they fight their way out and it's fine. Um, and then they go find a magic thing and they actually like get put to sleep for almost 20 years. And then they wake up and so much time has passed. And... To me, that's like fucking crazy. The idea of that you could go to bed and wake up and 20 years have passed. You don't look any different, but the world around you is totally changed. And that's like the very end of the book. And most of the characters are like, well, this is great because all the people trying to kill us think we're dead now. We can just start over. We're, we're good. Like this is a net positive. And no one's having like this existential freak out that 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 happened. And so when you're telling me, hey, there's this time stuff where like the rich make the poor people go cultivate the wine and age really fast so they can drink wine. I'm like, that's awesome because that's fucked up. And you know that there's stuff going on there. There's a story that has things to say. Like you can do so much with that concept. It's great. And I think that's the difference. Like that's the magic, you know, when you can seed enough that your imagination fills in the want for more story yeah because that's the thing with the, with these drizzle books whenever there's like a really cool piece of fantasy you really latch on you're like oh that's a fucking cool there's neat stuff in D. that is a great sandbox to play in there's a lot of great toys in there but then one shows up and then it's only kind of half used and then it's put down and you get really frustrated you're like why does this book have so much plot when None of it is utilized. Why is there eight th- plot threads going on? Do four and make them interesting. Because all of them could be interesting if you spent enough time with them and developed like actual stories with them. And and that's, I think, the huge failing of most of these books. Not all of them, but most of them. I don't know, like when I, when I find a really cool hook for something, I'm so excited because I want to explore, I want to explore it from like start to finish. Like that's the fun. And so when you're like, I have 10 hooks, I'm going to put them all in one book and then I'll spend like a chapter on each. It's just such a waste. Don't fucking do that. It's okay to keep the characters in one spot for an entire book. Most people don't leave the fucking towns they were born in. Did you watch the Santa Clauses? I did not. Did you watch the Santa Claus? Um, Probably not, but maybe. With Tim Allen? You never saw that one? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that movie. Okay, do you remember the head elf, Bernard? No, it has been a very long time since I've seen that movie. So he's in the show, um, and he's older now. And so they said that what he did was he retired, and so he's he started aging because he's not a magic elf anymore. But also oh. he's married. But he's, like, married to this, like, 84-year-old, and Tim Allen's like, oh, okay. And he's like, he's like, no, we have a lot in common. I, just, I, I look younger than I am, but I'm like 600. And it's kind of like, well, that no, that makes it worse the other way. He's like, no, 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 no. And they just don't want to talk about it anymore. I like that, though. I like That's funny. And it, it's interesting. There's a, a vampire comic I've been reading. And one of the twists is that uh, these, these kid vampires were told to not eat humans for a really long time. And the answer is because eating humans makes vampires age. Like, like, oh, no, vampires can actually die of old age. It just takes a while. But if you don't, then you never grow up and you can be like a kid forever. But these kids are fucking sick of being kids. And it's like, that's neat shit. I like that a lot. That is cool storytelling. And you're taking a mythos that has like been around for fucking ever and doing something interesting with it in the year 2023. So Jeff Lemire, you bastard, you did it again. You're, you're fucking good at comic books. There was a good Twilight Zone about uh, old people that wanted to be younger. Do you remember that one? Um, I don't know if I do. I mean, it kind of sounds familiar, but I only watched Twilight Zone like, okay. And uh, it's like whenever someone does something, it's like the staff is always like, well, now don't, no, you'll hurt yourself now. Let's calm down. Don't get too excited. And one of these guys, he's just kind of like, you know, I'm, 
you know, what if we're old because we just act old all the time? You know, like, remember when we'd see a sprinkler and we would just have fun running in the sprinkler? And he just, like, stands up and, like, you know, he's got his cane and he just, like, waddles over to a sprinkler and starts dancing in the water. And the staff, like, take him inside. And he's like, I'm just having fun. And there's this one, like, curmudgeon old man who's like, oh, don't do that. No. Just settle down, you. But he convinces everyone else to just, like, act like kids for a minute and, like, be happy again. And there's a part where the one curmudgeon guy wakes up in the middle of the night and everyone's gone except him. And he looks outside and there's these kids playing kick the can and they like run down the street and disappear. And he, and so then he's like kind of left wondering like if that was real or not. And the, you know, did he lose his chance to be young again? That's awesome. I like it's that not a lot. Yeah. It's not a great story. <laughs> like it's not one of the better episodes, but it's also like, no, but they had something here. I can almost see it. I know I, I started this show and I was like, man, I feel old, but I, I Age really is like a state of mind and like maturity is a state of mind. I don't I, sometimes I feel old, but other times I, I don't like at all. And I still like am a dumb idiot teenager that laughs at farts and stupid shit. Um, that's something like my dad is the same way. Like he's in his 60s, but he's like, I'm not 60. I'm still 18. You know, like just that idea of like, I don't want to be 60. I still want to be in the prime of my life. And so I'm going to act that way. And uh, yeah, sometimes I, you know, I heard a bit the next day, but if you take care of yourself, uh, you can still be physically active. You can still drink and have fun and stay up late if you want to. Like the better you treat your body and the better you like treat yourself and just like act in a way that makes you happy, the longer you live. Like, you you know, there's like interviewing people that are like a hundred, like, what's your secret? It's like, oh, I drink I drink whiskey every day and I eat six pieces of bacon. And like medically, both of those things are horrible for you. But, you know, that lady's 100 and and what what the fuck do we know? She's happy. She's she's kicking ass. Meanwhile, you got like 70-year-olds that just sit in front of the TV until they die. That's not the way to that's not the way to age, right? So I guess my point is it's like it's okay to not be a kid, but also you can still be a kid. Like I read all of these books. I did ultimately enjoy most of them or parts of them. There's still, there's always something there that like, I'd, I could have put them down and I didn't because I, I value That's my true. time. You, so, you actually did go through you know, your, your pilgrimage like you set out to do. It was an odyssey. I feel like I want to write something about this, but I don't want to be a total dick to the books or the author. And I know one of our mottos is like, not everything needs to be content. And so it's like, well, maybe this is it. This little vent session and then talk about fantasy and, and time passing. And maybe that's enough, you know? So I was curious and I looked up Dark Elves on the Warcraft, not Warcraft, the Warhammer wiki. And I found these little soldier dudes from the old fantasy set and they look kind of cool. Yeah, I like them. Those spears are cool. They're very big. And then I also found this one. Come on, Steam. Why are the fir- why is the first picture not closing so I can open the second picture? What the fuck? Steam handles there pictures funny. Oh, this is cool. I like this horse because it's got bat wings. Yeah, it's like a bat pegasus with a topless lady on it. Wow, she is really topless. I can th- I think I can see her nipples. Yeah, those are sculpted nipples. That's a very 80s model. <laughs> you don't see a lot of bat pegasus. That's a cool design. It is. I actually I was um I was struck by that specifically for the Pegasus part and thinking like, you know, why don't they bring this, uh, like, I I would love to see modern times tackle (laughs) this design concept. It's the 40th anniversary of Warhammer. There we go. I went over Uh, to stable diffusion and I'm going Pegasus with bat wings in the style of a power metal album cover. So we'll see what happens. I want to see that. Um, but Warhammer has been doing these articles where they'll like, they'll go back to a first edition model and kind of like talk about the background a bit and show it over the ages. And the other day they did these dragons and what's weird with the dragon is, um, there was this period where they're all very like noodly, like they have these long noodle necks and wiggly tails. And I feel like the design is inspired by middle, middle ages paintings. Oh Yeah. Uh, but there's this debate about whether or not this is better than the current dragons. 
And I feel like it's very similar to the Warcraft issue where people think that the new dragon race looks too much like a furry. And it's like, yeah, I kind of like the noodly ones here. Well, none of these have bat wings. Oh, so this that's disappointing. This one is like a legitimately like decent picture of a Pegasus. Yeah, that's a cool horse. I wonder why the wings. The other three are kind of bad. I like this one because it tried to create a an actual metal album cover, so it generated like gibberish text in a bad font, and it just says like power. Honestly, that's <laughs> a great ass name for a power metal band. Just power with like a multiple errors. Also, the part at the top where it's just like whole L. Yeah, <laughs> I like neck that one neck. actually. <laughs> oh, stable diffusion never change. You got to do it like a Batman voice. I have the power. Yeah, like no, right there, like that, that, that was pretty. Cl- I think that that was closer. Put your put both your fingers at the base of your tongue, so like. A half an inch above your Adam's apple. Okay. And then that's where you want the grit to be. Because that's where your retinoid cartilages are. Gack <laughs> 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 him. Where's my alcohol? Mm. See, I'm out of my Mai Tai. It's empty. Well, maybe it's time we get it freshen up. Uh, you want to close out with a lovely glad space? Yeah, what the fuck am I glad about? Um... I don't know what I'm glad about. You know what's been fun? I went, I played ping pong with my neighbor like last night and my brother. Uh, normally we go hang out with him on Wednesday. Uh, he's been doing a lot of home renovations, so we haven't been able to play ping pong. So we've just been kind of drinking and talking. But yesterday we got to play some fucking ping pong and it was a good time. It's been a while since any of us did it. We all got really kind of drunk. And uh, that was fun. Sometimes it's sometimes just the simple shit is great. Just just drinking with your friends, playing playing dumb games. That's yeah. good though. Uh what about you? Are you glad about anything? Yeah. Um they got all the episodes of Xavier Renegade Angel on YouTube. We talked about him last week, I think. maybe we did. Anyways, I've I think, been watching I think that. He, <laughs> you sent me a picture of him and I was like, I recognize this. And I don't remember why. Like that, I'm pretty sure that happened last week. I don't know if it was on the show or not. Man, I, so I was watching this and I was thinking, hey, I wonder if Chad would like to watch these. Maybe we should do a watch along. And I watched a couple episodes, and it's like the pacing is too fast that we we wouldn't be able to talk and also absorb all the jokes. That sounds because that's an Adult Swim thing, right? That sounds uh, pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I just I really love it Um, I want to send you this one episode about atheism that I think you'd find very funny we could watch it after the show we could do that but I, I recommend everyone tonight. at home also look up Xavier Renegade Angel if you don't know what it is it's it's I want to say it's weird for the sake of being weird but it's also smarter than just like random humor like it's random humor executed correctly. I I just I know it is like a just ugly ass fucking show. It's intentionally like ugly and like poorly it's CGI but it's like poorly animated. There's parts where characters are like very clearly just green screened onto a background and it's just like it looks as cheap as it was to make. But it's just written so funny. Like it's just like there'll be joke after joke after joke after joke. And some of it's visual and some of it's not funny, but just the fact that it's so fast, it's like if something didn't land, the next one will. But that's my glad space. I hope everyone out there is having a glad space of their own. Yeah, I hope everybody's having a good week. Oh, I did put up something on my YouTube channel. Um, I, I mixed myself, uh, produ- or I filmed myself producing uh, death metal vocals. I have an hour long. So, you know, if you if you're not into that, you don't don't even bother. 
Uh, but video on um, if you search Anonym on YouTube, it'll it'll show up. But it's uh, producing death metal vocals with stock plugins. And it's got like thirty views already, Cameron. I haven't really oh, nice. pimped it too much, so like people are finding it. That's cool. Yeah, and I mean, like, we, we were having this conversation where, like, you you feel bad because you're not like a super expert. So who are you to explain things? But then when you look up tutorials on YouTube, it's like the least helpful thing you've ever seen. Yeah. So <laughs> I think you're doing a, a good work. I hope people learn some stuff from it. I, it was it was fun to do. I'm gonna try and like properly record some stuff this week. I wanna I wanna put out another you know video of me doing a vocal cover. But boy, howdy, is that always uh, a lot of work? You know, it's not a lot of work though. Is saying goodbye to the listeners. That's true. I could just do it any old day of the week. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye on a <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>